Welcome to another episode of the Aussie Villains Podcast. We've got a crew or semi-crew in tonight, hopefully it's everyone, and we're going to look forward to our next European venture and for the weekend. This is the Aussie Villains Podcast, this is Paul, one of the hosts, and guess what? Every time we go up the ladder, we're getting higher up the table, people. I was going to get up and find the broom, but then I got high. Welcome to the Aussie Villains Podcast. It's a crew of two, so just like our team, there's a few injuries. How are we, Spud? Very good, Paul. How are you, Matt? Mate, about the same. A bit tired this afternoon, but knew we were coming onto the pod. Um, and look, why don't we get into the reason we're doing a uh, Thursday night pod, mate. We take on AZ Elkmar uh, away from home. So a beautiful away journey for some of our uh, some of our teams to get to the Netherlands there. Absolutely, yeah. I've seen some of the videos there online there of uh, people heading off and stuff of a couple of people I follow. And uh, I'd say a good, a good night will be had by all, I'd say. I would suggest so. The, look, there's been a lot of talk this week as well. Um, obviously, we're far away from the, the source, but a lot of talk this week about people um, buying tickets to try and ramp up their, um, you know, villa points and then never intending to go. Um, and that seems to happen a lot with European travel. You, you, have you read or heard much about that? I haven't read or heard much about it, but I do know that they've put a thing in place where you have to fill out a travel form and then Villa actually have a representative in Alkmaar that you have to meet and show an ID to get your ticket. So it stops touting. And that's that's a, that's a kind of a UEFA stipulation now. So when you go to an away game now um, with any club, you you have to fill out a travel form, show your proof of travel, and then they have a setup in a designated place where a Villa rep will meet everyone that has a ticket. You show them your ID and you get your ticket. So they don't actually send you your ticket anymore. No, but it also holds the ticket. So um, yeah. unfortunately, that means that people do miss out. And I think that's a real shame. And that uh, makes sense because uh, I seen Villa the other day were putting out a rallying cry saying that there were 271 travel documents short. So maybe that's what people are doing, that they're just they're applying for but not, not, not producing the travel form. But if that is the case, it's a bit silly because you're, 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 you're making people miss out that... Um, that would, would be going otherwise, and it's a bit selfish, really, if, if that is the case. I mean, I haven't heard of many people doing it myself, but... Well, yeah, there, there must like be. There must be, because the numbers in Europe um, where they're selling, they're, they're saying they're selling out a certain amount of tickets, and then people aren't turning up. So what yeah. traditionally happened with a lot of clubs, if you bought that ticket, um, then you're getting, you know, you know, uh, fan reward points and all those kind of royalty points. Um, the club has come out and said they're not going to honour those as well. So that's a hopefully that's a good detriment to people um, doing that in the future as well. Oh yeah, hopefully, man. Yeah, because like there's like things that the club use, like like it's like um, it's like the thing because I'm very slow, it's slow, and I hear people doing it as well. Like you know, where they, they talk about the thirty thousand seater waiting list, like like yeah. I'd be very skeptical of that because I think a lot of people. Not a lot, I mean, but there'd be a fair chunk of people that have just put their name on that for the fun, you know, as in to be on the list like that will never actually end up buying a season ticket. And yeah. what, what that does, though, is it's kind of a little bit unfair on the people that that live in the UK that actually have access to the season ticket can't get one because it gives the club power to put prices up when they have such a big waiting list. But like, of yeah. that 30,000, how many are actually going to take a season ticket? That's what I'd like to know, you know? Yeah, that's a that's a really good call as well. Uh, we have similar things around the world. MCG in Melbourne has their MCC waiting list, which you can wait legitimately twenty years for. Um, but yeah, there's yeah, I hear what you're saying. How much do you have to pay 
um, per year to try and be on that waiting list. No, it's free. It's free. You can access Yes, that's what I meant. It'd be interesting to see if they put down a small amount and it went to like a Villa charity or something. So yeah. it'd be on the waiting list. You pay a small amount and, and then it goes to the charity. That's, yeah, I yeah. think you'd see the list drop a little bit like then and you get more of a real reflection of what the list would really be, like how many people are actually waiting on the list. Because if you charge people, say, let's say £20, £20, dollars Yep. To go on the waiting list and all proceeds go to the AVFC Foundation. I think, that, I think that would actually give you a more realistic um, idea of how many of the waiting lists are. Because if you're willing to pay the £20 just to go on the waiting list, then you're probably are realistically looking for a season ticket and looking to be yeah. on the list. You know? You know, if it, and, and even if it did drop to five or 10000 A, it's a worthy cause. Um, probably tax deductible. And we get a true reflection. And, because it, 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 it gives a bit of false narrative for the 60,000 seat stadium and so forth as well yeah i think that's why they're being kind of clever there i think they're they said that the new stand is going to reduce it by i can't remember how many because it's seven thousand extra seats going to the first yeah. stage isn't it so yeah. there, i don't know probably be what four thousand of that given the season tickets maybe yeah exactly mate exactly so i think it's smart by the club but mate are you excited for tomorrow morning's game i'm very excited about tomorrow morning's game because um i think that he tested the water the first couple of games with the leg the with the legia team and then the must start and just got over the line in the must start. We 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 dropped points in the um in the legia game. So I think now we're at a point where he's gonna think, right, we need to start putting some points on the board, you know. Because they're he's gonna want to top the group because how it works in the conference, as you know, so first place tops the group, they go straight into um the the knockout stages. But if you finish second in the group, you actually go into a playoff against third place from the Europa League's uh, dropouts. Yes. So, so if you can if you can finish top of the group, it's actually for once it's actually really beneficial because it means you have two less games in your in your window. No, exactly right. And look, I think the thing is, like, we're you know if you look at odds and everything, which I don't really want to look at for this competition, but we're still favourites to win it all. And so <laughs> it's kind of funny because we haven't been in Europe in a long time. It takes uh, yes, it takes a great manager to manage it, but also the players to get used to it as well. So, hmm, interesting. Yeah. I, I think you can understand a little bit why why the English team would be the uh, the favourites now going into it because West Ham won it last year. Unai Embry's record in Europe, the money in the Premier League. Like, I think it, it does kind of it does kind of make sense why the, the English team would be the favourites going in there. You know. Yeah, well, I also want to put it in perspective. We've done this in previous pods, uh, Spud, is that we don't underestimate these teams. We, we go and have a bit of a look at them. Uh, PSV Eindhoven are on top, undefeated. Nine wins from nine uh, in the Eredivisie. Uh, Elkmar are actually second uh, on 25 points, so ahead of teams like Feyenoord. I mean, I think... Um, Ajax, oh, yeah, here we go. This was something I was looking at the other day. Um, Ajax. And they've got two games in hand, but Ajax is second bottom. Yeah, the... They've just sacked their manager as well. Yeah. yeah. So... Like, uh, the Vici is an interesting league. I always keep an eye on it because I like to see, because there's always a brilliant um, youth coming through in the Eredivisie leagues. Like, So I've always kind of kept a close eye on that league, you know. Yeah. Going back yeah. years, they've been producing young players and I don't think that'll ever change. But Alkmaar have been really good there the last probably three or four years. A decent side. They went to the semi-final of the conference last year. Against um, West Ham, West Ham knocked them out of the conference. So um, they beat Ajax last weekend two one, and they have a, a Greek striker up front called Pavelidis. And yes. he's hot, hot property at the moment. He's got a serious scoring record this season. 
And, and the thing is, Spud, as well, um, I, I just hate how we sometimes underestimate other leagues. Um, like, I follow I follow this league pretty strongly because one of my mates follows FC Utrecht. He's from he's from uh, from there as well. So um, I don't even know if he's from Utrecht, but he decided to follow them. So we, we put it this way: they're actually in a Champions League spot as we speak. Yeah, hundred percent. And and when you look at how well um, PSV and Feyenoord have played this season, for Alkmaar to be keeping keeping touch with them. They're actually ahead of them for a while. They're actually top there for a good while of a chunk of the season, just early doors. Um, yeah, it's a good achievement. I mean, that's a really, really good Feyenoord team that they're up against as well because Arna Slot, the um, Feyenoord coach, is he's one of the most well-respected up-and-coming coaches in Europe at the moment. And he was, before Ange took over the Spurs job, he was massively tipped as the favourite to take over there. Um, but he decided to stay. So, PSV, I think they've just got rid of Ruud van Nistelrooy and it's uh, Peter Bosch is managing him now. Yes. Peter Bosch was the coach at Wolfsburg who, who's um, oh, he's produced some brilliant football over the years. Possibly, I don't check French at one time he was as well. But yeah, he's um, he plays some brilliant football. Peter Bosch always has. So um, yeah, so it's interesting league. I think, as you said, it's a very underestimated league. And I would say the, the same is true of the Portuguese league. I actually watch a lot of the Portuguese league as well. And ah. uh, Sporting, Sporting Lisbon, Sport, well, they don't like to be called Sporting Lisbon. They like to be called Sporting CF. But Sporting, Benfica, Porto, or yes. even Sporting Braga. All producing big, big players, like, and always a good league to watch. It's always competitive as well. There's always three or four teams doing okay in that league. So I do tend to keep an eye on these leagues because I think, as you say, we're very quick to underestimate these leagues. But there's 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 talent in all of them. You can find talent in League Two in England that just haven't had the breaks to get out. So there's definitely talent in the the top leagues in other countries. You know. Well, you're right about the uh, striker up front, the Greek striker. He's 24. He's not very big. He's about 100, you know, for a striker, he's about 179, 180 centimetres. He's banged in 13 goals for the season already. Yeah, and a few assists as well, I think. He, I think he's five goals in nine games. 13 goals in nine games, I think. He's he's a, he's a weapon of a footballer. Um, he, he looks very nimble up top. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. And there, is a, uh, there is also a really big Australian connection there. The keeper uh, who's kept many times for the Socceroos, Matty Ryan, who played in the Premier League, he's actually the keeper for Elkmar as well. Um, so I was listening to a couple of other podcasts this week. I didn't hear anyone talk at all about Elkmar. Like they were talking about Villa, which is great, but it was no research given out on, on our opposition, which I, I just found really bizarre, mate, to be honest. I haven't actually had a chance to listen to it myself, but I know Neil had a um, area de VC mic from the, the, the Pure Orange uh, Orange oh, awesome. podcast on. Um, he couldn't make it on himself at the time, so he ended up sending in a seven or eight minute uh, synopsis oh, for nice. for Neil and 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 I haven't listened to myself, but by all accounts, it's meant to be a really good breakdown of Alkmaar. But uh, yeah. I, I might try and get a listen to it myself later once I put the kids to bed. I just haven't had a chance so far myself, but apparently it's very good from 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 all I'm hearing at the moment. I'm, I'm pretty happy to hear that because actually that's uh, on my next rotation when I've got to do a few things tonight, mate. So once we've recorded, I will listen to that. Um, so. <laughs> Look, we're gonna. I think they're gonna put a full team out. They they they're doing well in their comp. I think they'll put a full team out. They're at home. We're gonna have to go pretty close to putting a full team out, aren't we? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I would be surprised. I mean, I think you're going to get your token one or two changes because that's just he just has to at the moment. But yep. I don't I don't see wholesale changes if I'm honest. Um, he would love to come away. I think secret. I think he'd take a point. But I think I think he'll be he'll be going for a trade because it would be nice to get it wrapped up. Because if you win this game, 
you're in a pretty good position then, you know, and and arguably at the start of the draw, people would have picked this as probably the toughest game of the group away at Alkmaar. I know yep. Legia kind of cut us off guard, but there was a lot of factors went on there. I don't think we were at our best. I think uh, first game in Europe, I think the atmosphere probably cut the players off guard. It was a bit of an inexperienced squad. But um, I would say Alkmaar would probably have been the one that people would have penciled in as the toughest game of the six. Would you agree? Yeah. I definitely would agree, and, and I don't want to end, underestimate our game on uh, Monday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning against Luton, but this is possibly our best chance to go full team as far as we can in Europe, and then maybe a slightly weakened team against Luton, potentially, and I don't want to put Luton down because they've been fighting really hard, but I think this is the time to consolidate Europe and, and see what happens on the Monday morning against Luton. Right. I actually think we have a question around the team selection, Paul, as well, whilst we're on it, have we? Well, let's go on. Um, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but I don't want to answer without giving, uh, answer, say what I want to say and then not give, you know, to, you know we like we to might, give credit. We like to give credit to all the lads who send in questions. We might do that. We might answer the questions and see if they cross over into some of our, uh, you know, our, our kind of preview as well, mate. So let's go and have a look. Yeah, were these on Facebook or, or, or X? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was on Facebook. I'll, I'll, I'll grab it up now and have a quick look here. Um, yeah, if you do it that way, and I'll have the uh, Twitter ones ready to go. This is a professional outfit tonight, people, as we look forward to Elkmar and then Wooten on Monday morning. So we'll just bring those up. While we're doing that, um, Smithy put a Mark Smith, Smithy1874, put a question up on X. Should we have a safe standing at Villa Park? It doubles as a gym, apparently. It's a bit of a... Uh, bit of a go at one of our opposition teams from previous years. I won't name the team. For <laughs> I've seen that. Oh, it looked very empty there, didn't it? Um, um, yeah, what? I mean, look, it's... Uh, yeah, look, I, I don't know. Look, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't... I have no care for Birmingham City in any way, but um, I, I still don't like to see any clubs going down a real bad pattern. They seem to be going down a very bad pattern. Look, it's a healthier city if there's a healthy rivalry in the football-wise in the city and there just isn't now, you know. I think I think they're they're only going one way and it's south. And um, I think they made a very very silly mistake getting rid of John Eustace. I thought he was doing a solid job there. Yep. Um. Uh, look, I understand Wayne Rooney's got a good reputation and stuff, but it's a bit silly to get rid of a manager that's not struggling. I mean, like you, you're you're kind of putting a lot of confusion on players. I mean, they were just starting to build something, get some bit of momentum, something they haven't had for a good few years now, and then just to change it like that. Um. It's easy, obviously, for me to say that now after seeing the start they've made under Wayne Rooney. Obviously, if he'd come in and won three games, we'd be like, oh, genius decision. But it's just a kind of, it's a bit of a strange decision, I thought, personally. Yeah, and, and it's not like they're in relegation. I mean, they're, they're 18 points. They're only a couple of points out of the um, playoff spots. And we know in the championship, you're playing, what, 46 games? So the season's a long one. So, I, yeah, I found it a strange decision. Uh, decision but we do have some questions on twitter uh, or x whatever we want to call it i'm going to call it twitter that do relate to the elkmar game mate so we'll come on to the facebook ones in a moment if that's cool with you yeah go go ahead with the the, the twitter one man yeah so, so smithy we do appreciate your question um if we're going to be serious i i i think the safe standing areas um going forward in the premier league we, we, i don't think we're going to see them again in my, in my mind I think we're going to the all-seaters. So if you were being semi-serious, um, I love the idea of standing areas, but I, I don't I don't see it going to happen. I'm not I'd, sure. Um, I disagree with that. I think we're definitely going to see safe standing areas. 
I um, hope we do. A lot of I, the, I the, the, a lot of the stadiums are already implementing ready for it, like Tottenham Hotspur Stadium has it. I think even Villa Park has their plans there for it without actually having it in place. Um, but I, I know Tottenham definitely have it ready to go. Um, okay. And a few stadiums. Then there, there, there's a. I think it's next season that they're going to trial it at two clubs or something to see how it goes. So, well, um, yeah, it definitely can work. It works all around the world. I've seen football all, as you would have. I've seen football all around the world, and safe, uh, safe standing spots do work. So I didn't think we would go down that pathway, but it, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I don't. It'll probably only take one issue, I suppose, and they might scrap it. But uh, it's definitely in the talks for hey, giving, mate, giving it a go. In this day and age, someone's going to complain that their their view is impeded. <laughs> yeah, but that's the problem, upon their it? rights. Yeah. Um, Simo. So Simo, uh, Simon Munford, 86, has written, realistic expectations against Elkmar. Surely we have to go with a pretty strong team and no disrespect, but maybe rest players against Luton on the weekend. And I think that's where I was going. I, I don't mean rest so much as... Because we've got a pretty good squad now. I think the rotation is going to be very important. And I do think we have to go pretty strong tomorrow morning. Yeah. I, 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 this might be a popular opinion, like, but um, this, this, this something I found very strange the other day. And I don't know if everyone's going to agree with me on this. But, um, you know, like, obviously a very important game. And this is no disrespect to Luton. I have a lot of respect for what they've done. But the reality is, if we want to get to where we say we want to get that this season... Then we be need to be making light work of Luton Town and Villa Park. Like we have yeah. that. Like that's if this was a way, I mean now you think right, Kenilworth Road, bit bit different. At Villa Park, we need to be beating Luton comfortably. You know, that's the, the I and I think and I think we will. But what I what surprised me was because I think Alkmaar Way is a trickier game personally. Um just just our like Villa Park's fortress at the moment. And um but when we scored the third goal or the fourth goal, let's say the fourth goal when Bailey's put, put I'm very surprised that uh Douglas Louise didn't get the signal to bench to take a yellow card. Um mm. uh and missed the Luton game. I'm very surprised about it because he's on four. He's he's one more he's one more away from a suspension. Um I thought he would have played him t- tonight or tomorrow morning and told him to take the yellow against Luton because he should be able to comfortably put Yuri Tillemans in against Luton and give yep. him a chance. Um I Luca Dean, you could say the same as Luca Dean, he was on four as well, but I think it's a bit different with Luca Dean because we don't really have any other left back. And I think he's just got to use Luca Dinas for as long as he can till Moreno gets back. But with Douglas Louise, there's cover there. He doesn't need to keep playing him on that yellow. Um, I know he's in great form, but play him tonight. Play him tonight. And then let him take a silly yellow at the end of that game and take the ban and miss the Luton game. And he starts afresh and is starting up again. I was, yes. a bit, I, I was a bit surprised by it myself. I was expecting to see Dougie take a yellow as soon as the third or fourth goal went in, you know. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. It's a really good point. And well, Ian Allman, who always asks questions as well, Ian Allman 5, he says, do you see both Elkmar and Villa fielding rotated squads, uh, squads as both are chasing Champions League spots in their respective leagues? Um, look, let's play devil's advocate on the other side of it. Our owners have always come in and said that Champions League is the aim. There's going to be a point in the season I believe, Spud, and you can. I love when you have a different opinion to me, but I think there will be a point in the season where he's almost told what the aim has to be, and at the moment he doesn't need to do that. Um, I would say him, Emery, and the owners would would be very clear on their objectives during the summer. I think they would have had a big discussion. I think Emery probably knows exactly what 
the owners expect from him, and I'm sure the owners expect know what they expect from him, whatever expects from them, you know. Um, that's why I think the League Cup, as as disappointed as I was, because I think a club of our size needs to take the League Cup serious, more serious. But um, you could see that's obviously not a priority for them at the moment. Um, but I still would think that the the conference and the league are both big priorities for them. Um, I yeah. think I think the FA Cup may be pushed aside again, whether fans want to hear that or not. Probably not. They probably don't. But for em, em, the FA Cup doesn't mean the same thing to Unai Emery as it does to um, to the to Villa fans. A lot of fans, it's the only trophy they haven't seen us win and whatnot. But modern football has kind of changed a bit. So I would imagine that the remit has top six, top four, and win the conference. That would be the end because yeah. the conference will get you where top six gets you anyway, yeah. or fifth or sixth into the Europa League. Um, I think, I think he thought he could probably get more out of Legia Warsaw with our second team. I don't think it was a case of prioritizing it. I think he just has to rotate, and I just think that he expected more from our backup players in that game. And, and, and I think if you said as much, really. Yeah, this post game yeah, exactly. really it, it did to me. It, it did say that, um, Spud. We did post a question up ourselves this week. Uh, I, and, and it was basically me saying I think we'll make Champions League this year, and I have said that a couple of times. And I know it might seem fanciful, but Tottenham's on top. Tottenham's on top. There's there's teams not playing as well as they were, so we got 340 votes for where we you know we asked if people thought we'd finish top four, fifth or sixth, seven or tenth or bottom half. And we got 18% of the 340 votes. So what would that be? About 60-odd votes said we'll make top four. Uh, fifth or sixth was 67%. So that would be about 260 votes or 250 votes. Uh, 14% said seven to 10 and 1%. So what's that? 30, about three people said we'd finish in the bottom half. Um, so maybe they weren't Villa fans. Um, <laughs> We did have one person ask, and there was a lot of comments after this. Um, I won't read them out now, but if you want to have a look at Aussie Villains on Twitter, there was a lot of comments and um, from everyone. But one person did put, one person did put here. I wanted to, uh, where's the win the league option? Well, if you're going to finish top four, I suppose the win the league option falls into the top four. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And uh, I love the positivity. Fair play, Tom. You know? Oh, look, well, eighty-five percent of the respondents uh, at 340 votes. Thank you for everyone who voted um, have got us in the top six at least. So um, that's our expectations from our supporters this year, Spud. Yeah. And, 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 and rightly so. Look, we've, we've had a miserable few years of fans and it's good to see the positivity around the club at the moment. And, and yeah, we just enjoy it, isn't it? Like we, we as little fans know that, that it, it, it can kind of come crashing down at any time. So it just feels different this time with Unai Emery. It really feels more sustainable. It does. Um, there is, there's no, there's still going to be rocky patches ahead. There's no doubt about it. Like we're not going to go the rest of the season undefeated. You know, it's not, it's not going to happen. We're going to have rocky patches. We do not have a massive, massive squad that's going to be able to cope with 38 games, and the Christmas period is going to be difficult and stuff. But we do know Emery. We have a chance in every game. You know, that's yeah. that's the reality. And um, I'm just really enjoying it. And look. It's just it's just nice to turn on the turn on the TV for us over here and get up at three o'clock in the morning and watch a game and know that you're going to be competitive in it. There's going to be a game plan. There's going to be patterns of play. There's you're not just going in there on a whim, which I kind of felt we were obviously under Gerard, and it became. I'm not going to go on about that, but you know you know what I'm saying it's become yeah. enjoyable again and and um yeah I mean 
I see a lot of people already looking ahead and talking about the January transfer window. Slow down. Just enjoy the moment. You know, yeah, just enjoy the just, moment. Yeah. And, and so tomorrow morning, we take on uh, Elkmar and Zarinski Mostar host uh, Legia Warsaw. So huge morning with both those games on because, you know, theoretically, we could be sitting right where we are already. If it's a, if it's a draw, if, if there's, a, you know, two draws tomorrow, that means that we're halfway through and everyone would be on four points. But, yeah, because like, like if you look at that table low, like it looks like the most ultimate competitive group going in Europe at the moment, doesn't it? Like everyone's on three. They've all beaten each other. It's so interesting. It's exciting as long as Villa get through in the end. But even you look at like um, when Mostar play Alkmaar, Alkmaar are three up at halftime, last four or three. So yes. like, just, yeah, it's just, it's, I think I, like from, from the groups we could have got, like it is a difficult group in, compared to what we could have got, you know? Oh, look, it really is. And and um, I just think tomorrow morning is huge. I, I, we cannot afford to lose. Um, so, you know, you might be right. You're twisting my arm on this about the draw. Um, look, I'm going to I'm gonna go Dilla 2-1. Yeah, I, I, I do fancy us as well. And I'm going to say I'm going to say Villa 2-1 as well. Um, I... It's going to be a tough one. going to be a tough 2-1. But, um, you know, I, I, we really need those points. It'll position us halfway through the group stage, really strongly positioned, know where we are, know what we need to do. But we, we cannot afford that loss. We cannot give them three points. Um, I, I just think that we, you know, it's going to be tighter than people think. Yeah, and like, I'm not going to go into too much because it's been done so much in other podcasts at the moment. But uh, you look at that performance in the West Ham, some of the football we played, just some of the patterns of play, was it was actually absolute joy to watch. If we oh. can produce, if we can produce some kind of level like that against Asmar, you know, even if you can give seventy five percent of that again, we win this game. I think. Yeah, I agree with you, and and that I'm really happy you, you touched on that because some of the interplay this year has been some of the best I've ever seen at Villa Park. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like because um, like there was a thing going around, and I remember watching it at the time. And actually, the Newcastle fans were sending it around as a kind of a, a joke and a mocking, uh, a mocking of the club. Because uh, at the, the the first weekend of the the Premier League, we lost five one to Newcastle, and Alex Ferguson was at, uh, being interviewed after one of the games. He was in the ground, I assume, it was the United game, and they asked him what did they think of the opening weekend and what team impressed you. And he goes, he goes, uh, Aston Villa. They played some fantastic football, and like the Newcastle fans started sending it around as a mocking thing because we'd lost five one, and it just goes to show like what this man knows about football, like because you know he was able to see past the result, he was yeah. able to see what was happening in the game, the patterns of play Villa were trying to play. You know, he's an elite coach, like he could see it. So for him to turn around after five one loss and say he was most impressed with the football Villa played, that's incredible football brain, you know, and then. It's like when um you go back to like nineteen ninety five when when Villa beat Man United on the opening day of the season, uh three one and he had got rid of Kanchelskis and all them and he brought yeah. all the kids in and and Alan Hansen obviously made the famous saying after we beat them three one on the opening day oh you can't win anything with kids but again Ferguson done an interview after that game said he was extremely happy with what he saw bar the result because he could see past the result he could see the bigger picture he could see what's there oh. and um. Yeah, and then and that started doing the rounds again recently after we beat West Ham of him saying that after the Newcastle game. So, you know, like the the signs were there that maybe we couldn't see as tunnel vision fans. But he would look at the game different, you know. That is a game you can go and revisit and look at the first half and, and, and there were chances for us in that game and it happens. I mean, West Ham had their chances against us and but we just took ours and, and that's that's the modern football. Uh, mm. almost Matt, any team can Matt, get bumped. 
Exactly, yeah. Maddie Cash had a great chance to make it two all too, and if that goes in, that could, it could be a different game, you know. And yeah. and and you can fall to pieces like too, and we fell to pieces at the end of that game where Highline went to crap, you know, and you know, and Newcastle can do that to people at St James's Park. If you're not on it, you're going to get beaten at St James's Park, and that's the reality. And, and there was a lot of factors. I mean, we went off injured, and look, we just weren't good enough, I thought. But there was definitely positives in the play, some of the play we played, you know. The yeah, Abbey looked very good in that game, and and we've just grown from there. And it would have been easy to collapse as well after the Liverpool loss, but. Just grown, and you know, Emery's believes in what he's doing, and the players believe in what Emery's telling them. And and now the fans are on board, and it's everything's just aligning nicely, you know. And I just I don't want to put a damper up, but I just hope we get a bit of luck now. We don't get some keys, key injuries to some big players because we really can't afford to lose some of our big players, in my opinion. We've lost, we've lost no. enough of them already, but, you know. But Spud, looking at a lot of the squads, a lot of the squads um, are not as deep as they have been in previous years. I mean, even Man City's squad's not as deep as as it, as, it, as it has been. So I don't think any team can really afford a lot of injuries at the moment. Um, Agreed, mate. I mean, the reality is, like, every club has a lot of injuries at the moment, which which just tells you straight out, is, and this is probably for another podcast, but they're, they're clearly playing too many games between internationals and... And like every every club is suffering with big injuries, you know. But again, that's that's a whole podcast on its own, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, mate, if we look at the table at the moment, Tottenham uh, under Big Ange, twenty three points, the most points ever taken by a manager in their first nine games um, in the Premier League. That's pretty darn amazing. Um, mass- as, as anyone would know, I'm a massive fan of Ange, um, and that that's you know got to take your hat off to that. Oh, the thing that I'm finding really funny, Spud, about football this year is that everyone's saying stuff like wheels will fall off Tottenham, um, you know, ask for a choke again, oh, Newcastle won't come, Brighton play great football. No, I don't know if anyone knows what they're talking about. Let's just enjoy what we're seeing this year. You know, at the moment, four points between first and fifth, a quarter, a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, over over the last few years, you've had like Arsenal and Man City battling for the league, and 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 you've had like Liverpool keeping tabs with Man City. But there was always those teams were always miles ahead, you know, of the rest. Then, but um, it's definitely and look, look, we know Man City they'll start kicking into gear. Like it's going to happen. Liverpool will go in long runs. But like for the first ten games of a season, it's been an ultra competitive league. Like. Yep. Like there's points being taken off each other everywhere. Like the prime example for me always was uh how, how mad this league was. Um, Newcastle beat Villa five one, then then um then Brighton. Oh sorry, yeah, Newcastle beat Villa five one. Then Brighton beat Newcastle three three nil, and then Villa beat Brighton six one. <laughs> it's just okay. just it's just mad, like you know, mate. This and, and, you know I like looking at different stats and so forth as well. And we were talking yeah. about home form, but at the moment this is the home form um for the top five. Okay, so. Tottenham's won their four games at home. Man City's won their four games at home. Arsenal's won three and drawn two. Liverpool's undefeated at home. We're undefeated at home. And Newcastle's only lost one of their five at home. That's just... That really is talking fortress territory already, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the home form is so important, isn't it? You can keep winning your home games and pick up good, good, a good number of points on the away, the away games decent results, pick up a few wins, you know, minimise the losses, turn a couple of those games that are in the losses into draws and you're looking very healthy, like, those ga- home games are so important and we're not, we're not just we're not just winning them, like, we're winning them emphatically, like. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was just no surprise that the teams, and I know you could say it's the simplest kind of analysis ever, but it's no surprise 
teams up the top have just got tremendous home form. Yeah, yeah. And then look, Man City and Liverpool have made championship charges out of their home form. Like they've been formidable. Like, I mean, Virgil van Dijk had a crazy record there for how long he'd gone undefeated in the league at Anfield. I think it's it's broken now, but he, he went an unbelievable amount of time. And you look you look at Chelsea under Jose Mourinho the first time, 2004-2005, they went an unbelievable amount of games without losing at home at Stamford Bridge as well. So it just shows how important that like your, your home form is like. Well, I feel sorry for Burnley, mate, because um, they've had five home games this season and five losses, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I think, uh, like, uh, look, I'm a big fan of um, what uh, Vincent Company done at Burnley last year. He came in there, done a stellar job turning things around and, um, you know, he made them, made them a really good opening championship team, you know, and completely changed their style. But... I, and I think I did say this at our podcast at the start. I said I did fear that they were going to come out and be too open, very much like Leeds. Like, you know, I thought he'd have learned by now to start battening down the hatches a little bit because you, you can't, you just can't play in the Premier League like you do in the Championship. You just can't against, like, there's, there's too much talent, like, for a team of Burnley's size, you know? Well, let's go and thump Luton this weekend, mate, because the record um, of Luton against Villa in the Premier League, I believe um, we haven't beaten them in the Premier League. Is that, would that be right? Well, they've, they've never been in the Premier League, so... Um, yeah, no, I was going back, I'm going back and have a look. Sorry, the last two times we've played Luton, we haven't played them since 2016 um, in a 3-1 loss in the EFL Cup, mate. So, my apologies. I was just going through the last few games we've played them. So, yeah. let's... Pump them this weekend. Yeah, this um ah look, look look we we need to be putting them to bed, you know. Um actually we've had a pretty good record though of um of games after European anyway, haven't we? We have, mate. And I, I don't expect that will change Monday morning. I, I think we'll I, I honestly think we'll go out and I think it'll be a minimum. I'm not trying to be facetious, I think it'll be a three 0 win. Yeah, I was thinking Trinel myself if we can come away from Trinel and look, don't get let, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves too. I mean, the, the reality is there, there's going to be tired legs out there, a big trip on a Thursday, but it's a nice tie to get after the European game. And yeah, I think I think Trinel uh, that would be my result as well. Yeah, I think maybe a bit of a slow start in the first half, but maybe when the first goal goes in, um, hopefully the floodgates will open after that. You know? Yeah, I think but, they've only scored. But I think they've only scored seven or eight goals this year as well. So if we do get that early lead and they're chasing, um, the gates could definitely open up. I think I think they could be in a bit of trouble. And I'm not putting them down. They really do work hard, um, yeah. as, as in the minimum you'd expect, um, to be honest, mate. So um, do you have the Facebook questions up there as well? Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a massive amount of them. They're kind of more... Um, I don't know, but... So, um... Here we go. So our first one is from our man, Josh Donkey, who actually I'm, I'm going to listen to his podcast tonight. He was on a, on a food podcast because um, he's an amazing chef looking at his picture. So he's on a podcast tonight that I, I'm definitely going to uh, yeah, have a look my, at. So. It's on my rotation, mate. I've got, it, I've got it downloaded already to listen to on the way to work tomorrow. So Josh Donkey, one of our top contributors. I love how Sky Sports and Match of the Day go into meltdown when we've wiped the floor with teams. For example, Brighton played bad, not Villa played well. I can see us breaking the top six this year, maybe the top four. We Do we think it's happening? As Ron Saunders said, would you bet against us? I think we've made our positions quite clear. I, I think we're actually going to make a Champions League spot spot. I know it's really hard. 
I just think the, the thing I with me with sport, people always go, oh, we're building it. It's next year. Oh, we can build. It's two years down the track. That time never actually comes. You, 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 at some point, you have to grab that time. And I don't think, whilst the Premier League is really tough, I don't think it's the best. Uh, it's going to come across wrong. I don't think anyone's going to run away with it. So this is the year to fight and grab that Champions League spot. And don't think you're lesser than any other club. Because you know what? On any day, like you could beat Man City tomorrow. They, they are not the same team right now. Right now. So grab the spot. I think you're leaning more towards fifth or sixth. I, I'm kind of leaning towards. But you have to remember, though, if if, if, if everything goes right, fifth place, we'll get a Champions League this year. If England, With the coefficient. If, if all the English teams do well in Europe, which historically in the last four or five years, they have in all competitions. So... um. You'd expect Arsenal to go to the knockout stages. You'd expect City to go to the knockout, possibly go on and win it. You'd expect Liverpool or Brighton to probably win the Europa League. Yep. Hopefully, Villa can win the conference. For me, I just think I think sixth in the sixth and win the conference would be my my season. I think, and I'd be very very happy with that. Oh, I'd be mate, very happy with that. I would be happy with that. I'm just, I suppose, I'm just doing the wishful thinking. Um, that I really think that there comes a year where things change. And, yeah. and, and I just, you know, I would love to see us give it the, just the best shot. And if we come come up short, but we still finish sixth, it'd still be a fantastic season. Well, you said in your pre-season your pre, your, your pre preview that we did, and you said that uh, you just want to be in the conversation and you'd be happy. And I think I think we're in the conversation. And we are. And, yeah, and, I, I, and, and we haven't been in the conversation for so long. So long. I, I think I, if we're still there in January... After the Christmas program, I think it's just, I think it's the the fixture listed, not not who we're playing, but the amount of games we're playing at Christmas that worries me slightly. So if yes. just, I don't think. Yes, we have decent squad, but we don't. We, the, the the four injuries are killing us a little bit in my head. Not they're not at the moment, but they can they will do going forward. You know, yeah. Um, so hopefully we can get Moreno back soon. I think he's due back soon. Ramsey, hopefully if we can get Ramsey back before that Christmas period, um. I think if we come out of that Christmas period and we're still hovering around in striking distance of points, I think we have a very good chance then. But uh, I just don't want to get too far ahead of myself at the moment because nah, uh, good on, good I, on just want, I just want to enjoy the moment at the moment. So is there any? I don't think there was many other questions on the Facebook page, Knox. We did put up the questions quite late this week. No, there was just a backup uh, that answer to that from Mark Smith, another contributor. He just said to Josh Donnelly, my thoughts exactly. Everyone seems to have an off day when, they, when we beat them. Funny that. Top six in a trophy for me. You know, I, I do agree, but listening to a lot of other different podcasts that normally uh, are quite negative or, or don't even talk about Villa, it was amazing this week to hear so many Villa callers on different podcasts calling in um, 606 and stuff like that. We, we know Robbie Savage hates our guts. So there's no doubt in the world about that, right? And that, that's fine. I just wish he'd be honest about it. Can't stand when pundits aren't honest about their, their dislike of a team. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's quite obvious he hates us, right? But even he had to give people uh, praise about Villa. I mean, he made jokes because a lot of villains called up and said, look, we can finish top four this year. And he thinks it won't happen. And I just think, where does the romance in this competition go if, if every year someone can't make it? Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, look, if Newcastle can done it, do it last year with Eddie Howe, it's a very similar situation where Eddie Howe took him over and they were fighting relegation under Bruce. He kept them up, got them way up the table. They started the following season well and they just continued that form all the way into the Champions League. Una Emery is capable of that. Una Emery is every bit as good as manager as Eddie Howe, if not better, more experienced, right? So it's definitely not impossible. It's not. I just think for me, I'm just trying not to get too far ahead in my head, but it's no, definitely it's, possible. It's, de- it's, de- it's definitely possible. And, and Una Emery done an interview the other day and he was saying that um, there's, at the moment there are seven teams ahead of us. He doesn't believe that. Uh, I, 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 he's just trying to take expectation levels a little bit down. But I heard, I heard exactly the same thing as you and I could almost hear a tinge, not of laughter, but there was a tinge of something there in him that yeah, I, I don't think... He didn't believe his own words. So, um, they, uh, just just while they're on the subject of Una Emery, they, they, the content on Sky Sports of Dean Smith interviewing um, uh, Una Emery and then interviewing um, uh, Ollie Watkins and then John McGinn, just so heartwarming. And like, I just want a quick word on Dean Smith there. What a fantastic human being. Like, what a humble man. Like, like to, to be able to come on to a show and, and praise the man who I know he didn't directly take his job, but he's elevated the team, you know, and to be able to congratulate him. And, and the first thing Una Emery said to Dean Smith is thank you for everything. Just two, just two brilliant men who just you can just tell love the club, you know, like Dean Smith is able to put aside anything, any sadness he has about being sacked and, and talk about his development of Valley Watkins and John McGinn and be genuinely happy for them and genuinely happy for the club. Like there's no bitterness there, knowing quite well and the fans gave him a good reception in Villa Park that. He played a huge part in getting us to where he was. And I just, I just, I really loved watching that content because uh, Ollie Watkins came over after and done an interview. And he's like, um, the, the interviewer asked him uh, about Ollie Watkins, about um, how Naomi has improved his game. And you could see he still wanted to be hugely respectful to Dean Smith. And, you know, it's just Ollie Watkins answered as best as he could. And then, Smith stepped in and said, "Yeah, look, Unai's elevated his game, and it was just, just lovely to watch. You know, it's just, yeah, well, it's just the man, the man, Dean Smith. Like he's just a treasure, and it's, it's he should always be revered at Villa Park for what he's done for us. You know." Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I can't really add any more. I thought, I thought exactly the same thing, and we're just lucky to have had those people um, as part of our club, and are still part of our club. And I, you, I, I think we're lucky. You take, um, you take that moment, that that, that little period of madness under Gerard. Like, if you had taken away that moment, I think Dean Smith getting us to where he got us, then the natural progression would have been to an Emory-style coach, you know, with more experience. I think yep. the drive was just a bump in the road in the middle. But I think I think really what the move should have been Emory after Smith. That would have been a natural progression, you know, because that's the, that was the standard. I think Dean Smith had taken us as far as he could, and that's yep. no disrespect to him. Emory was the man, you know. I just think, thank God, we did have the Gerard times because that was insanity. And I think everything now is gravy, you know what I mean? Or, or, or just cream, whatever you want to want to call it. Because I still can't believe that period existed where he's expecting us to get thumped by teams. He, he, he didn't even believe we were ever going to be a big club. It was just the strange yeah. times under Gerard you could ever imagine. And, and for such a professional footballer, it was just weird that his managing style was so different. Do you can, you like, can you like, you know, like when when you think back to him, like saying that Chelsea will should should be wiping the floor with us? I mean, what a comment to say before a game! Like, well, like what was he thinking? Like, oh, that's what I mean, insanity. I, I, that's the comment I go to. And there was a lot of other comments that were similar, but that to me just said, man, 
A, you're way out of your depth, and B, you're extremely disrespectful to the club that's given you this chance. Yeah, 100%, John. He, he was out of his depth. And ending up in no disrespect to Saudi Arabia, but ending up in Saudi Arabia managing a team in front of 976 fans tells you all about his career. I think I think, um, I think, think we all know that Michael Beale, the, a couple of the Rangers fans did warn us that Michael Beale was the one who won that league title. So, um Anyway, look, it's a period in time we can look back and then maybe maybe it's something that just had to happen for us because it makes us appreciate this time more because maybe if we did go from promotion, staying up and then go to Emory and success, maybe we would have been coming a bit too entitled and expected, uh, um, you know, become an entitled fan base where we just expected progress all the time. So maybe maybe we do appreciate what's happening now that a little bit more because of what we suffered under Gerard, you know? It, mate, it's, it's so many of the teams I follow in different sports are, are, have been very similar. They're teams that struggled for years, and it just makes the good times even sweeter. And when something big happens for for us, but and it will at some stage, I don't think any of us will take it for granted. And and you know, I just can't wait for that cup to be filled. I know. I mean, I just uh, I try not to get too far ahead, but like as you know, I'm booked in to go to the last home game of the season. There were a couple of yep. mates for the. And I just, just, I just have this feeling, you know. I just, it's Villa and Liverpool, second last game of the season, last game of Villa Park. There's going to be something raining on, isn't there? I'll bugger it, bud. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin your night, mate. We're gonna be playing for a Champions League spot at the expense of Liverpool for you, okay? Oh, it'd be incredible, man! Oh my Amazing. god, I'm buzzing. <laughs> hey, mate. Yeah. Um, look, uh, look forward to the game tomorrow. We have the game against Luton on Monday morning. Um, so we won't do a podcast until next week, guys. But you can get us at Aussie Villains on Twitter, Australian Fans of Villa on Facebook and a Facebook group as well. Please listen to Spud's podcast. How can we get you there, mate? Where, where can we find your podcast and what's it called? Yeah, it's uh, Spud Talks Football on Twitter. And the podcast is Spud Talks Football. And it's, uh, it's a general football podcast where I have... Uh where I have guests from various different footballing backgrounds and clubs on to speak about their football experiences. And uh, yeah, I've had some really good guests. So if you want to give that a listen and uh, give, it a, give it a follow from me, uh, I'd be much appreciated. Absolutely. And, and as we touched on before, Josh uh, Donashi, who's an unbelievable chef, chef as well. If you get onto our uh, Aussie Villains podcast group, you can put in your request to be part of that group. If you're already part of it, um, he has got a post up talking about his... Um, uh, on Spotify and Apple. I think it's called Deep in the Weeds, a food podcast. So um, please give it a listen. He's a fantastic contributor, a massive Villa fan and an unbelievable chef and human being as well. So give Spud's podcast a listen. Listen to Josh's podcast. Hopefully you also stay listening to ours and uh, we will speak to you next week. Have you got anything final to say there, Spud? Uh, I just wanted to say one thing there because for someone that might, any of you that mightn't be aware of it because I think it's a podcast that was needed. Um, through the Lo- Love of Paul McGrath podcast, one of their segments now is uh, Paddy Kelly and his son do uh, an Aston Villa Ladies podcast once a week oh, and a WLS, WSL. So please go and check that out because it's really good. And I think it was something that I'm glad one of the podcasts t- took it up. And I know Paddy and his son Stephen um, watch every game of the women. So... Yeah, just give it a check out because because uh, I look, they're still they're they're as much a part of our club as the men, you know. It's one club, and I think it was a podcast that was well needed. So go check that out and give that a bit of support as well. Ah, uh, here, here, mate. So look up the villa. We're going to win tomorrow two one. We're going to win three nil on the weekend. We're just going to continue this golden rain and just enjoy it. As Spud said, temperate. Just enjoy every game as it comes. Up the villa. Up the villa. It's-
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Aussie Villains podcast through Apple, through Spotify, through Google, through Anchor, however you're listening to us. Um, look, give us feedback if you can. It really does help us get out there. We really appreciate it. Get us on Facebook at Australian Fans of Villa. Get us on uh, Twitter or X at Aussie Villains and uh, follow our antics. Because we got her. Because we got her. Because we got her. Look, 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 up the villa. <laughs>